Thank you for listening to this week's message from Gateway City Church. For more information about Gateway City, check us out online at gatewaycitychurch.co. We hope you enjoy today's message. Whenever my wife and I were going through premarital counseling, um, we, you know, 16 years ago, uh, we, uh, we, we, we were going through premarital counseling and our counselor, it was basically, and honestly, like there was a session that we went through where basically like we just got to tell each other all of the things that annoyed us about one another and, and we couldn't get mad at each other about it. And so she began to like highlight all of these little things that I did that drove her crazy. And, and in premarital counseling, our premarital counselor, he asked me, he said, Will, he said, do you, are, are you OCD? And I said, I have no idea what OCD is. You know, because I'm from Saluda, and like we, we're not, you know, they don't they don't teach us about this kind of stuff, and and so so he educated me as to what OCD was, and and I discovered like that I'm a little bit OCD, you know, because my wife it drove her crazy that whenever it came to like filling up a drink, you know, I I, I had to have seven pieces of ice in my glass. I'm not weird. You're weird. It it drove my wife crazy that. That um that 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 like I had I had like it, I I have this thing where I like I like to be balanced out, and and it, and it's and it's way more weird than what it sounds like. But like for instance, if I were to walk through uh you know a doorway, and and my and my right shoulder grazes the 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 the, the doorway, um whether it's a minute later or two minutes later or if it's two hours later or two weeks later, the next time I come through that door, I'm gonna graze I'm gonna remember and I'm gonna I'm gonna graze my left shoulder on it so that I can be balanced out. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm not weird, you're weird. If you don't do these things, there's something wrong with you. I also, like, I'm a really big fan of odd numbers, and I've got a really logical reason as to why that is. It's because I love things that have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and even numbers just don't give you that. For instance, like, you know, I mean, like, like, like the number six. You got a beginning in one, and you got an end in six, but there's nothing between the three and the four to balance it all out. It's just a gap there. So I prefer seven because there's a one, there's a four, and there's a seven. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. And so it doesn't matter if it's the, if it's the volume on the radio or the television. It, I, it's got to be an odd number for me. And, and, and it, it's just, I just, it, it's, it's, a, it, I, it's a control thing. I know I, I, have a, I have an issue with it. Uh, I'm not the only one in my family with that. Uh, my wife, Suzanne, from the passenger seat of a car, has been known to actually drive the vehicle for you. Like, listen, she, she all but grab, grab, will grab the wheel. And listen, it doesn't mean that you're a bad driver. It just, like, she just doesn't know when you're going to brake. She doesn't know when you're going to turn. She doesn't know when you're going to accelerate. And she would just prefer to be in control of all of those things. So whenever you see me and my wife together, it's going to be her in the driver's seat and me in the passenger seat because it's what's best for our marriage. Just, just, just got to have control over it. You know, maybe, maybe you want to have control over everything that your kids do, and if they don't do what it is that you want them to do, they're grounded till they're thirty. Maybe you're that kind of a parent, um, or like it, you know, guys, maybe like the remote control. The remote control, you kind of just have to have it because everybody knows it's not what's about on. It's not, it's not about what, what, what's on at the moment. It's about what else might be on. Like that's, that's the thing. It's just, but it's just, it's just control thing. And it's fun, and I, listen, it's fun to make fun of all these things and lighthearted and everything, but the reality is that there are areas of all of our lives that we love to have control over. And there are areas of our lives that are much more serious than the lighthearted things that we just mentioned that really ultimately, honestly, whenever you dig a little bit deeper into it, you'll actually discover that, that it's actually a reflection in many cases of something that's actually a much, a much deeper spiritual condition, a much deeper spiritual issue that you and I are facing. 
We just have to have control over it. We have, to, we have to have our grip on it. We have to have control over it. We can't give it over to anyone else. Or, or we, have to have, we can't give this situation to anybody. We can't give this person to anybody else. And there's a passage of Scripture that I want to read to you in, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. It's probably one of the most well-known, most quoted scriptures in, in, the, in the Bible, but it's also probably one of the most difficult scriptures to actually live out. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, this is, what, this is what it reads. It says, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. How many people in here are, tr- like, have you, ever, have, you, have you ever, have you ever trusted God with all of your heart? Like right now in this moment, like trusting God with all of your heart. Is there ever a time where we give God all of who we are? I can't, I can't necessarily say that about myself. I'm still growing. I'm still getting better. But you trust in the Lord. With, the Bible says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It says, don't, Bible says don't lean into everything that you think you know. Don't lean into everything that you understand. Because if I leaned into what I, only what I understood, if I leaned into the things that, that, that I knew, that's a, that's, a very, that's a very limited supply of understanding. I don't, I, don't, I don't know everything. I don't understand everything. And the Bible says to not lean into to, to my own understanding. And it says in all of your ways, submit to God. Submit to God. And then if we will submit to God, lean into his understanding, and trust in him with all our heart, the Bible says that that's when he makes our path straight. That's when he makes a way where there seems to be no way. We, can't, we, we keep running into roadblocks and we keep running into obstacles whenever we lean into what we know, whenever we lean into what we understand. But the Bible says whenever we lean into what God's plan, we lean into his purpose and his plan, his timing, we submit everything to him, that's whenever a way where there seems to be no way becomes clear. That's when it becomes clear. Problem is that very seldom do we ever want to relinquish control. And in my experience, every time I've wanted to hold on to something and maintain control of something, it's really been done out of fear. Fear that something won't get done. Fear that something won't be done the right way. Fear that if I give control of this and surrender it to someone else, I'm going to get taken advantage of. Because it's our past experience where every time that we've given something to someone else, we've experienced, all of us have experienced a moment where somebody took advantage of us so that we, so, so because, because we've experienced that before, we can't give control of this thing or this person up for fear of being hurt again. Very seldom do we ever like to relinquish control, but what I've learned about control is the more, the more that you, the more you, you try to, you try to control the more you're at risk of, of losing control. The more you try to control, the more you're at risk of losing control. And in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 16, there's a, we, we read about a husband and a wife named Abram and Sarah. And if, you, and if those names aren't familiar to you, it's because later on in their life, God actually changed their names to Abraham and Sarah. But at this particular point in their life, their names hadn't yet been changed. Their names are Abram and Sarah. And what we read about in this is they're, they're, they're older in age and they have no children. And, all they, and, and the thing that they want most in this life is a child. But they haven't been able to have one at this point. 
And so, and then God comes along, and then he makes a promise to Abram and Sarah. He says, he says I'm going to bless you with a child, and that child is going to grow up, and he's going to, have, he's going to get married. He's going to have children. And Abraham, you're, going to, you're actually going to become the father of many nations. You're going to become the father of an incredible nation. And so Abram and Sarah, Sarah they're, they're, they're excited. They're looking forward to this blessing and to this promise. But after a while goes by, a significant amount of time, nothing's happened. No child doesn't seem like there's ever going to be a child. And so, and so right about here, instead of waiting on God's timing, instead of waiting on, on God's purpose and God's plan, instead of just trusting it all to God and surrendering it all to God, what we find is that we find, we find that Sarah and Abram, they actually make the decision to take control of the situation because God's timing isn't working out with my timing. He's not doing what I want him to do when I want him to do it. So I'm going to step in and I'm going to do it for him in my way so that I can get the desired result that I ultimately want. And whenever we see Abram and Sarah take this step to controlling the situation, it's actually a story of just control that's actually gone really, really bad. And it's actually, and actually the result of this situation that they took control of is actually something that created, that created generational issues and tensions, centuries of problems between groups of people that, to be honest with you, it still exists today and it affects our world today. And in Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, this is where, this is the point in this story and in their lives where they make the decision, hey, this is our plan for moving forward. God's work, God's not moving as quickly as we want him to move, so this is how we're gonna, this is how we're gonna, we're gonna make it happen for ourselves. And in verses one, it begins, it says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave, Perhaps I can build a family through her. And now, men, here's just a piece of advice. Do not ever sleep with a woman who is not your wife, even if it's your wife's idea. It's going to go bad. It's not going to work out for you in the end, I promise you. So just, just everybody, you, you may want to write that down if you're taking notes. Remember that. But it says, it says go sleep with her. I, perhaps I can build a family through her. And so Abram agreed. To what Sarah had said, and so after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. So God makes a promise. He doesn't deliver on that promise when and how I think he should, so I take control over the situation, and I'm going to make it happen for myself. Now, you may know the story, but... You, you, you may know the rest of the story, but do, do you actually know how, how this story actually plays out and to the point where it, it's created centuries of issues that, that, we, that, that our world still deals with today? Whenever you look at the lineage of, 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 of what happened on, on behalf, in, in result of, of this situation, it's actually pretty stunning. Hagar becomes pregnant with a son, and they name him, they name him Ishmael. And then in God's timing, he actually blesses Sarai, with, with a son, and they name him Isaac. And whenever you look at the lineage and the, anse- and, and the ancestry of, of Ishmael and Isaac, it's pretty mind-blowing. Out of, out, of, out, of, out of Ishmael's lineage, he's the ancestor of, of the Palestinians. The nation, the, the, the Palestine came out of, the, out of the lineage of Ishmael. And also out of the lineage of Ishmael you, you have, you came, came Muhammad, 
who began, who began, who began the, 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 the religion of Islam. And then out of Isaac, you have, you, have, you have the Jewish people. You have Israel. And then consequently in all of that, Jesus is a descendant of, of Isaac. And here we are centuries later, and our world is still dealing with the tensions between Palestinians and, and Jewish and the Jewish people. We're still dealing with tensions between the Palestinians and, and, and the nation of Israel. And we also, in, in, in regard, and we're, and we're still dealing with tensions in many ways between do we follow the teaching of Muhammad and Islam or do we choose Christ and Christianity? That one decision where, and listen, and why, we, the reason we have all this is because, is because two people made the decision that God wasn't working everything out the way I wanted him to, when I wanted him to do it, how I wanted him to do it. So we took control of the situation, and here we are centuries later, and we're still dealing with, with the ramifications of, of two people who decided to take control rather than to trust in God, lean into what he knew, what he understood. Now, I'll be honest with you. The situations and the circumstances that you are facing and the things that you try to control in your life, they may not, they may not have century-long implications. But the choices that you make to hold on to things and to control them, they, they do affect who you are. They do affect the trajectory of your life. They do, they, they do affect so much about who, you are, who, you're, who you're going to become, what you're going to do. You, you may be here and you, you may, man, you may be a, a single young woman and, and, and you are trying to live your life and honor God with everything that you've got. And the thing that you want most in this life is, is, a, is a Christian guy who wants the same. But you haven't been able to find a Christian guy, so you just settle for guy. You know, he's not, he's not Mr. Right now. He's not Mr. Right, but he's, he's like right now. And so we just settle for him. You know, he, 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 listen, he's not, he's not really who I want, but, but he's cute, and, 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 and all the other stuff that I don't really like about him, I can change, that, that can change later. He'll eventually become the person that I want him to be. That, that's, yeah. You know, maybe it's, maybe, it's, maybe, it's, maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe that's somebody that works with you, works for you. Maybe it's somebody that you work with. You're, you're trying to delegate responsibility, give people ownership, and give people responsibility so that they can, they, can do, they, can, they can take some advances in their career, but they're not doing it the right way or the way that you think is the right way, so you just move them out of the way and you do it yourself. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe right now, in a fi from a financial perspective, you are, you are struggling with in, in your finances. You're struggling to make ends meet. You're struggling to how, to how to figure out how to get all your bills paid. And you, and you, know, and you know what God teaches. You, you, know, you know what God teaches. God says, God says in, in, in an act of worship, I, I ask you to bring back a tithe to me as an act of worship. And, you know, but, but, but right now in this season, financially, that just doesn't make sense for you because, because it's a little harder financially. And so I'm going to withhold all of that. I'm going to take control of my finances rather than trusting God with it. I'm going to withhold my finances, and whenever things are a little bit better for me financially, then I will begin to then I'll begin to give 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 my tithe back to back to God, rather than just trusting God. Because like and actually like because I mean, actually you know it's, the Bible teaches us in Malachi chapter three verse ten the Bible says actually God says that you are to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there will be plenty of food. God says, test me in this and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing so plentiful that you won't have room to contain it. 
Did you know that with your finances, God, it's the only area of your life where God says, test me and see if I won't do something amazing in, in, in and through your life. Did you know that? It's the only area of your life where God says, test me and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and bless you with so much that you can't contain it. But yet, rather than trust God with that area of our life, oftentimes we withhold it. Let me just tell you right now, you may think that you can't afford to tithe. What I've learned is you, you can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. Maybe, maybe, uh, and, you know, and maybe some of you, well, not anybody here, all of the people that do this, they're at other churches today. But, but some of you that are parents, you know, like helicopter parents, where you just hover over everything that your child does. They got a science project coming up. You know, and you're like, you know, let me help you with that. Or basically what that means, let me do it for you because you really need an A. You know, that, that, kind, of, that kind of parenting. Actually, there was an article that recently came out. I actually read it. It was, um, it was, it was a recent study done on, like, co- recent college graduates over the last two to three years. And it actually said that, that, uh, that the studies actually, the results, it kind of it showed that, that 8%, so not, not, not a ton, but 8% of recent college graduates over the, over the course of the last two to three years actually bring one of their parents with them on job interviews. Can you believe that? Can you believe, and listen, just if you, if you just graduated high school and you're wanting to get a job or you just graduated college and you're looking to step into the workforce and you get, get a real job, just leave mom at home. Leave mom at home. And listen, I, I'm just, listen, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what your career path might be, but as we grow as a church and as we get to the place where we're wanting to, to interview and hire staff and employees, I can promise you. Bringing your mom or your dad to your interview at Gateway City Church, it'll be the quickest interview you're ever on because I, I'll just say no. I'll just say no. Now listen, if they need to drive you here, I get that, but they, leave them in the car. Just leave them in the car. Don't dare walk into an interview and bring your mom or your dad with you. 8% of recent college graduates, you should be ashamed of yourself. Should be ashamed. And parents, you should be ashamed of yourself for going. If anybody's ever going to listen to this and you did that. But like, we, like we, 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 have this, we have this need to control everything. We have this need to control things, and we all have areas of our lives that we want to be in control of. Like, what is, it, what is it for you? What is it that you want to control? What is it that you, you won't let go of? Is it your kids? Are you trying to control every aspect of, of who your kids are and what they do. Are you trying to just control all that? Yes, be involved in your kids' lives, absolutely. Invest in them, pour into them, help them make right decisions. But, but, but there's a difference. There's a difference between, between, between investing in, in, in your kid and, and trying to control them. Are, are you here today and you've got grown kids? Are you trying to control your grown children because they're not raising your grandbabies right? Is it your finances? Is it, is it your career? Are you, are you trying to control someone else? Are you, you trying to control your image? Trying to be someone that you're really not in order to impress people that you, in order to impress people that you ultimately really don't even like? What is it? In fact, I, I would, I would be, I would just tell you that if, 
I would tell you, if, if you, if you can identify what it is that you are trying to control, I would tell you to write it down and give it a name. Give it a name. Write it down. And if you tell me I'm not going to write it down, you're the person I'm talking to. You're trying to control the narrative right there. You're just proving my point. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to write it down just because somebody told me to write it down. Somebody gave me, I'm not going to give it a name. Again, you're just proving my point. This is what we do. We try to control, we try to, we try to over, we try, like we try, we try to just, we try to manipulate and control every single situation that comes our way out of, out of fear that, man, it, it, it won't get done. Or if I don't, if I don't, if I don't, if I don't control this, I'll actually lose control. But like I said earlier, the, the more you actually try to control, the, the, the more you're at risk of actually losing control. And what I've learned, what I've learned is that is, is just over the process of, uh, over, over the years of in, in, in as, as being a husband, being a dad, being a pastor, being in ministry, being in leadership, I've learned, I've learned, I've learned there's, there's, there's really just, there's three questions that I just need to ask myself whenever I'm struggling, when I'm struggling to surrender something versus struggling to, ma- to maintain control of it. And there's, there's three questions I want to introduce. If you want to, whenever you are faced with the decision of, 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 of closing in your grip on something, of controlling something and not letting go of it versus versus the decision to to surrender it. There's three questions I want to I just want to, I just want to present to you uh, and whenever making that decision the first thing is the first thing is 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 whenever you are trying to make this do I, do I do I surrender this or do I do I maintain control of it? Is is one is is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? Pretty much, pretty much what I mean is, is, is this even worth me worrying about? Because how many things in your life, how many things and how many people are you worried about right now when really there's really no reason for you to worry about it? Is it worth my concern? Do I need to give this my attention? Like in, in, in planting a church and especially like being, being portable, obviously, you know, we're meeting here at Rocky Top Middle School. Um, I have a very specific way I like things to be done. Um, I, you know, and I mean, and anybody that works alongside of me in, in terms of like getting the church set up, like kind of the things that like the, the part of the team that I work on is, is, is I help set up the pipe and drape, which are the magical curtains that hide things, you know, that are behind them. Uh, and, then, and then the chairs. And, you know, and, and, the, and I mean, and I have a very, like, I'm telling you, like, straight rows are really important to me. Straight rows are important to me. The pipe and drape is important to me. And, you know, and, and I, 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 can, I could actually spend an entire sermon obsessing over how much the straight chairs and the straight rows and the pipe and drape are important to me. And, and, I, and you know, and I, I, get, I get reminded almost every single week that it's really not as much of a big, big of a deal as I'm making it out to be. And that the people that are helping me do this, they're very smart, they're very competent, hardworking people. And if I would just let them do it, I, 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 one, it would get done it would get done just fine, probably even better if I, than, than it would if I'm actually involved. And I wouldn't have to, like, stress and have anxiety over the thing. And I'm making, listen, I'm making this big of a deal over curtains and chairs. Is that really worth, is it, is it really going to matter this time tomorrow if, 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 the, if the bases on the pipe and drape that held the vertical pipe it, it, were, were, were exactly oriented the way that I want? No, no. People still came into church. People still worshiped. They heard the message of Jesus. They heard the teaching of the Bible. And lives were changed and lives were made better. It's not going to matter tomorrow if, 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 the, if the pipe and drape wasn't exactly how, how Will preferred it to be. Is it worth my concern? 
Parents, is it really going to matter? Is it really going to matter next week if you, if, you, if you allow your child to walk out of the door and they don't really match the way that you wanted them to match or their hair isn't combed the way you really would want it to comb? And he's 15. You just stop combing his hair. Let him do it himself. No, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter this time next week. It's not going to matter in five years. Suzanne and I, we have, we have three kids. Our oldest, his name is Aiden. He's 12. He'll be 13 in November. I love, I love my son. He's amazing. I'm proud of him in so many ways. Um, but when Aiden was two, when he was two years old, we could not walk out of the house. I'm not exaggerating. You can ask my wife. You can ask Aiden. He remembers. But we could not walk out of the house to go anywhere. It didn't matter. Grocery store, church, didn't matter. Softball game I might have been playing in, didn't matter. We could not walk out of the house without my two-year-old son putting on a full-on Spider-Man mask. Couldn't leave the house without being Spider-Man. Just couldn't do it. Tried to fight it a little bit, but, you know, but it just, he just, it just wasn't worth it. And we'd be rolling through the grocery store. You know, we're pushing the buggy. Aiden's sitting in the buggy. Full-on Spider-Man right there. People would go, by, oh, look at him. He's so cute. We'd be in the checkout line. Oh, he's so cute. Like, what's his name? And Aiden's response would be, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't say a word. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> just, just, just Spider-Man. He's 12 now. He doesn't do it anymore. So ultimately, I kind of had to make the decision at two years old, it really didn't matter. Like truth be told, it was kind of funny. And yeah, sometimes I might have walked away from the buggy and just pretended not to be his dad, but like whatever. Don't judge me, you have done it too. You have done it too. And if you hadn't done it yet because I mentioned it, you're going to do it today. But yeah, like he's 12. He doesn't do it anymore. Like, like they grow out of it. It's a season. Seasons come and they go. And this particular season that you're trying to control, this particular person or this particular situation, when this season is over, is it really going to matter as you go into the next season? Probably not because they grow out of it. So is it worth your concern? Probably not. The second question that I want to highlight is, is, just, is, is, is this, is it mine to control? So many of you have, you, you have got your hands wrapped so tightly around something that isn't even your responsibility. Not only should you not be concerned with it, but you actually have no, you, you have no say in the matter. But you are desperately trying to hold on to something that isn't even yours to hold on to. Is it mine to control? And I'll be honest with you. There are areas of your life and there are, seas- there are areas of your life where it, it is yours to be concerned about. It is yours to control. And if it is yours, if, the, if, it is, if it's yours to control, if it's your, just, well then just do something about it. Do something about it. You know, with our finances, none of us would say, none of us go to God and go, God, like, man, I've really screwed up my finances and I just really need you to come in and fix it. 
No, because God would respond with, I, I gave you a brain, I gave you, I gave you hands, and I gave you feet. Like, go to work. Earn, earn, like, get a second job if you need to. Do something about it. Do something about it. If your marriage is in trouble, you, 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 don't, you don't just, like, like, like what, 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 man, what, what can, this, this is, this, I, I can actually do something about this. What do I do? Well, maybe you need to change your heart. Maybe you need to change the way you speak to people. Maybe you need to go to marriage counseling. You may need a marriage small group. You need to be spiritually connected with other believers who, can, who you can lean on to, who can pour into you. Do something about it. Do something about it. Is it mine to control? And if it, if it, if it isn't, then let it go. If it is, take steps towards fixing it. And then lastly, is, 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 is it for God alone? Is, is it for God alone? There are some situations that you and I are trying to control that you and I, we will not, we will not loosen our grip off of it. And truth be told, there is nothing, there is nothing that you can do about it. It is the only thing that you can do about it is to surrender to God and allow God to work the way that God wants to work. And you are losing sleep over something that you have zero influence in being able to change. And if it's for God alone, you have to just surrender to God. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, he says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whenever Paul wrote these words, whenever Paul wrote these words, he was, he was chained to a prison guard. He was in prison. And Paul says, and Paul says, and Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. He's in prison. And he says, with thanksgiving, present all of your requests before God. He writes this in prison, is when he pens these words. He said, and listen, and why should we be thankful in all situations? Because, because, because we have a God that knows us. We have a God that loves us. We have a God that hears us. We have a God that is not distant. He is close. And so even whenever the circumstances that I'm currently looking at are not favorable, I have a God that can step in and move mountains for me. If all I do is just come to him and ask. And then whenever, and whenever, and whenever, we, whenever we, we cease to be anxious about everything, and through prayer and with thanksgiving, we bring all of our requests before God, Paul says, that's when the peace of God will come over you. And that thing that you're losing sleep over, you won't lose sleep over it anymore. That thing that you're stressed out about, you will not be stressed out about it anymore. That person who you feel like is just giving you an ulcer, they, they, won't, they, won't, they won't concern. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to surrender everything to God. I'm going to give it all to him. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to, with thanksgiving, 
I'm going to present my request before God, and I'm going, to, I'm going to remove myself from the situation, and I'm going to allow God to do what only God can do. Because what I've learned in all of my years of following Jesus is that God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. And so there are things that only God can do. And whenever I'm faced with a situation that only God can move in, the best thing that I can do that'll create room for God to move is for me to be removed from the situation. And the peace of God will cover you. And God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Whenever you trust and whenever you lean in his, into his understanding and whenever you, you submit to him that's when he makes your path straight. Gateway City Church is five months old. We're five months old. But and my wife and I, we moved here 10 months ago for the sole purpose of, of starting Gateway City Church. But, but the process of starting Gateway City, it didn't begin 10 months ago whenever we moved. Um, it was it was two, two and a half years ago whenever God first put the dream of, of, of starting a church and leading a church in, in mine and my wife's heart. It was two years ago where God gave us the, the, the vision and the dream to, to, to start a church. And as we prayed about it, you know, like we, man, we, like we were praying about it and God was leading us and God was moving and God was making it clearer and clearer that this is what he was calling us to do. This is what he was leading us to do. And so, I mean, like, like we knew where we were, we knew where we were going. We, man, we were leaving South Carolina, and we were coming to Denver. We, 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 two years ago, we knew the name of the church. We knew the name of the church. We knew what God had called us to do, and we knew the vision and the mission of what we felt like we were supposed to be doing in regard to leading a church and building a church. And, and so, you know, and so we began, man, we began to make plans, and we began to put one foot in front of the other, and we began, like, man, we put together the plan, and we began to execute the plan, but, but. But literally, it, like the moment we began to actually execute the plans that we thought were flawless, because we had really thought it out, like I, all hell broke loose in our life. I mean, all it was it was insane, crazy things. Uh, we we owned a house in South Carolina that that we we rented out. We had renters in it. They'd been in there for five years. They never caused us any problems. And literally right after we make the decision that, man, Denver's where we have to go and planting a church is what we're doing and it's going to be Gateway City Church and this is what it's going to be all about, uh, we, learned, we learned that our renters had actually skipped out on us two weeks prior. And then we went to check on the house. Uh, there, was, there, was, there was about $8,000 worth of damage done to the house. And so we actually, we actually had to, to pay out of pocket $8,000 to repair the house just so that it would be in condition enough to where we could actually put it on the market to sell it. And then while we're in the process of that, literally just a couple of weeks later, uh, Suzanne and I, we had planned a trip to come to Denver so that we could actually drive around the city. I've been visiting Colorado for 20 years going snow skiing, but whenever you make the decision to move somewhere, you look at it through a different lens. You look at it through a different set of eyes. And so we, we, we came to Denver for a week to drive around the city, to pray about it, and to, to think about where we would like to live and where we would like to plant a church and start a church. And the day before we fly out to come here, uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a wreck in my truck, total my truck. And, you know, but because we already had bought 
plane tickets and hotel reservations and a rental car. You know, we made the trip anyway, and we'll deal with this when we get back and we get here. And, and on our second day here, we're leaving our hotel and we're in our rental car and we're we're, we're driving to go to go meet another pa- another pastor from Denver for breakfast, talking to him about what it's like to lead a church in this city and and what it's like to what it's like to pastor. And, you know, in the Denver area, and as we're driving, like we, we get rear-ended in our rental car. Somebody hit us from behind, and we got hit by a driver that had no insurance. And then, if that's not crazy enough, whenever we return back home to Augusta, Georgia, uh, my wife and I and, and our three kids, we are, you know, we're, we're driving our, our, our really cool minivan, and uh, we're on our way to our pastor's house. For, for, for a staff for a staff party and we get rear-ended again in my wife's van and just in case you hadn't been counting that is three car wrecks in 10 days and you know and, and I'm, I'm barely a Christian when I drive anyway just being honest with you I'm barely a Christian when I drive let alone let alone after I've had three car wrecks in 10 days and at this point as soon as we're in, like, we, as soon as we get rear-ended in my wife's super cool minivan, all, all, the only thing that was going through my mind was whoever just hit us, they are not getting Pastor Will in this moment, because Pastor Will is he, he's out, he's done. Pastor Will is over. I'm going to get out. I'm going to rake this person up and down over the coals. I'm probably going to cuss them out. Because at this point, I just don't care. I'm through. I'm done with it all. And then as soon as I, and as soon as I open up the door and I put my foot on the ground, the one thing that I hear is, Pastor Will. And when I look up, it's a 16-year-old kid that is in the student ministry that I'm leading at the church I'm on staff at. And I'm even more frustrated at this point because not only can I not just 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 cuss this person out, now I've actually got to be Pastor Will because this 16-year-old kid is terrified because he just hit my wife's super cool minivan that had his three kids in the back and he wrecked his daddy's truck. And I got to pastor him through this moment. I guess God's protection on me being a pastor at some point, you know, I guess that's what it is, but... That's, that's, what, that's what our plans look like whenever we began the process of, of moving to Denver and starting a church. That's what our plans turned into. Not really what we had in mind. We would have preferred a much smoother transition. But you know what I began to realize as we were going through that and we were praying through that? I, I began to realize that, that it, was, it was plans that, that we had made. And it was, it, was, it was plans that we were trying to execute. It was being done in the way that we wanted it being done. And with our hands tightly gripped around our plans and our timing and our way, it seemed like we were meeting roadblocks at every single turn. But the moment we realized, the moment we realized that, that in order for this to work, we've actually got to let go of it, We've actually got to surrender control of it and give it over to God. That is whenever things begin to open up for us. That is whenever a way that seem, where there seemed to be no way begin to, begin to unfold. 
You see, you want to be everything that God has called you to be. You want to do all of the things that you feel like is in your heart to do. The best thing that you can do is just let go of it. I've learned in, 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 just, in years of just being in ministry, being in leadership, is that, and, and I, I'm, a, I'm a really big fan of, of just really obvious statements and cliche statements. And a lot of people don't like cliche statements, but I love cliche statements because cliche statements are cliche statements because they're true. And, and I, I just, I, I love just something in regard to just control is that the quickest way to choke the life out of something is to choke the life out of it. The quickest way to choke the life out of something is to hold on to it. But if you want to see something grow and flourish into everything it was ever meant to be, the only thing you have to do is let it go. Just surrender. Just surrender. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 6, chapter 3, verse, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, submit to God, and he will make your paths straight. Whenever we were going through that season of, 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 of making plans to move here and to start a church, we were discouraged and we were frustrated. We felt defeated, and, and I, was, I was really just complaining to my pastor, Pastor Marty Baker at Stevens Creek Church in Augusta, Georgia. I was really just complaining to him about it. And I remember he told me in that moment, he said, he said, do not let this discourage you. He said, because your plans will fail. But God has a purpose for you and for this church, and it's his plans that will eventually work out. Maybe today there's something in your life that you feel like you've, you've held on too tightly to. Maybe, there's, maybe, maybe it's a person that you're holding on too tightly to, and you're actually the lid in their life. You're the one that's preventing them from being everything that they could be, from doing all the things that they could do, and the number one way that you could help them is just by letting go. The, the number one way you can, you, can help, you, you, can, you, can, you can be involved in helping a situation work out is just let it go. Is it your concern? Is it, your, is it even yours to control or are you, trying to, are you trying to be so tightly gripped to something or someone that only God can do a work in their life? Maybe today you re, you're realizing that. And you just, need, you just need to let go of it. You just need to surrender. You need to let go. You need to surrender it. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you're realizing today that it is your life that you are trying to control. And you are withholding your life from an all-loving God, all-knowing God, and you are... And you've never given your life to him. And today you're realizing, maybe for the first time, that the only way to ever become who God has ultimately created you to be and the only way that, it, the only way that exists for you to do the things that God has called you to do is for you to let go of your life and surrender to God so that he can help you become everything he's ever intended for your life to be. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and and you're realizing, you're realizing that you have been in control of your life for too long. 
and under your control, you feel like all you've ever done is made mistakes and messed things up and you can't seem to get it right at any turn. But today, you're realizing that the, the best thing that you can do for you, for your life, for your family, is to surrender control of your life over to a God who loves you, who wants nothing but good things for you. And today, for the first time, you realize, I need, I need to relinquish control over my life, and I need to give it over to God, and I need to place my trust and my faith in Jesus so that he can, he can, he can make me into who every, everything he's ever intended for me to be. And if that's you today and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to surrender your life over to God, I want to pray for you. And I just want, if you would just let me know, but just, just would you raise your hand if that's you today? Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Would you pray with me right now? Just pray this prayer after me. In fact, everybody in the room, just pray this with me so that these people that have made that decision, won't, won't, they're not making it alone. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving me. I give my life to you. I give control over to you. I surrender to you today. I ask you to to forgive me, to set me free. Be the Lord of my life. Be the leader of my life. And from this day forward, I'm a brand new person. The old is gone. The new has come. Help me to be everything you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, everybody said can we put our hands together for everybody that made a decision to give their life to Jesus today? Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Gateway City Church, be sure to follow us online on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, visit us online to select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.